Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I use the complete idiot's guide to the Bible. Unqualified. Why can't my kids come into the service? Because we have PG-13 services. Unqualified. That has a nice ring to it. Unqualified. I've always felt that way. It wasn't a compliment. Junior church has taken over. It's designed for elementary kids or junior higher. Who doesn't feel unqualified? It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And away we go. It's the Wretched Radio mail-call delivery bag Q&A <laughs> Infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now, here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. Well, now, here's here's a lesson to be learned if you're an up-and-coming radio producer. Just because you have a lot of drops, it doesn't mean you need to use all of them in one show opening. Sorry. This is Ratchet Radio. You left nothing on the table there. <laughs> That's just all of them smashed into you sending emails to idea at wretched.org, idea at wretched.org with questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, and your name. Sometimes things are private. I get that. Fine. You can be a nani move, but otherwise, just let us know who you are. Bitter. And don't forget to send anything wretched stories, articles, sermons, good, bad, or otherwise. Send it to idea at wretched.org. Well, Jake did include his name. He wants to know how being how does he balance being broken over sin with the power and grace of the cross? I don't I don't know that you want to do that. The the delicate walk of the Christian is both. It is remembering your justification, but not overlooking your sanctification and vice versa. It is about remembering how sinful you are and how forgiven you are. It is both things. One keeps you humble. The other one gives you joy. And if you don't find that balance, you will be out of whack. That is the theological term. You can look it up. You will be imbalanced. You will become kind of pride-filled. Do you remember the sermon that we listened to a week ago from Milton Vincent? Such a tender shepherd. By the way, his book, wow, wow, gospel primer, primer. We put it into the store because we thought that it would be a blessing if you need to fix your eyes on Jesus Christ. And wow, you sure did. It's at wretched.org slash gospel. I'm pretty sure wretched.org slash gospel. It's a little gospel primer. And Milton Vincent said, that he was so tempted before he really dove into the doctrine of justification to be persuaded by the devil that he was doing pretty good some days. And maybe you don't even realize you're doing that, that perhaps this is this is an example. You fail somehow. You do something that you deem to be kind of that sin or like a bigger sin than all of your other sins. It's probably the sin that haunts you the most that is your besetting sin. So you do it and you think, I can't pray. I, I, I can't talk to God. I feel too ashamed. I feel too embarrassed. I feel too dirty to be able to talk to God. Do you know what's behind that? Pride. Pride. Because the assumption is that when you don't do that sin, you're good enough to talk to God. And you're not. You need Jesus every single second of every single day and his imputed righteousness credited to your account And when we don't want to pray because we feel too dirty, it is a revelation to us. We're too pride-filled. 
because we don't realize all sins make us that dirty. And we need Jesus' grace always. And Milton Vincent brought that out in his presentation on the doctrine of justification. And you can do that if you don't remember all doctrines. And I'm not just talking about justification and sanctification. I'm talking about adoption, too. Don't forget adoption. If you do, you're going to be out of whack. If you just sit and bathe in the glow of the gospely goodness of the, ooh, I love the gospel, mm, and you don't ever remember how wicked you are, you are going to become very lazy in the process of sanctification. And most likely, you're going to become spiritually lethargic and pride-filled. What does remembering your sinfulness do for you? <laughs> it keeps me humble. And it reminds me I have so far to go, absolutely by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I've got so far to go. Don't lose balance of it. And if I just might inject this, the doctrine of adoption when was the last time you heard a sermon on the doctrine of adoption? The Puritans used to preach on this joyfully. Don't forget, the doctrine of adoption <clears throat> is like the cheese in a grilled cheese sandwich. You see, on one side, you got the piece of bread of justification. On the other side, you've got the doctrine of sanctification. And what keeps the two from getting blended together so you don't get mixed up, so you don't think that your works are justifying you? Or the, how do you keep that divide with the cheese of adoption? That you're in God's family. You can do nothing. You can do nothing to please God more than he is already pleased with you because you are in Jesus Christ because of the doctrine of justification. And because you are a family member, now you strive to be sanctified because you want to be a child that is pleasing to a benevolent father. Don't forget the doctrine of adoption and send your emails to idea at wretched.org. Really good question coming from Mara. Well, what was wrong with Jake's? Well, nothing. That was well, really no, I think that you just made it very clear you don't like Jake. You're labeling me. I am because <laughs> it's so effective these days. Yes, it is. And by the way, Jake from State Farm. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he changed people. He changed people, and the dude is getting, like, totally jacked yeah, up. Have you noticed is. that? I have noticed that. It's like he looks bigger than the football players he's hanging out with. What do we? What, what? <laughs> Makes me feel bad because I'm not quite as big as Jake from State Farm. I don't know if you could pick that up. You're almost there. <clears throat> Working on it. <laughs> not. All right, sorry. Uh, Mara, uh, she wants to know, Todd, what is church supposed to be? What are we called to accomplish? And what do I do if I can't find a church like that? Well, you're, you're, you're never going to find one that's like got all of the boxes checked perfectly because we're just a bunch of sinners. Strive to find one that teaches what they state they believe. This is a big deal. You can go to a church website and you can read their statement of faith and you go, okay, that's pretty sound. Okay, pretty sound these days probably isn't enough, probably. You look for something really robust and deep, not this drive-by theological shooting. You look for something really deep. But now I've noticed some wise churches are no longer saying statement of faith or this is what we believe. They now say this is what we teach because there can be a disconnect between the file cabinet of orthodoxy and the pulpit or the Sunday school class or the youth group. They can say they believe it, but are they actually teaching it? So just look for a church that's aimed in the right direction. No more and no less. When you find a church, jump into it and see how they're doing. What are the elders like? You are certainly going to find some deficiencies there. 
They're going to be to this, not enough that. But the question is, are they aimed in the right direction? Are they really loving the sheep? Are they striving to point people to Jesus Christ? And if they are orthodox, and that is their desire, you found a good church. It's it's sort of as simple as that. Now, obviously, it can get more complex, but I think that umbrella statement covers a lot of, of, of territory, doesn't it? You've got men of God who love the Lord and desire to see you grow in the faith. And they're orthodox, robustly. What more, what more could you ask for? Well, they aren't very good, though, at running the Sunday school program. Yeah. What do you know? They've got a deficiency. You know, I really think that the announcements are too long. Mm-hmm. If you've got men aimed in the right direction who are orthodox, who are loving the sheep, you have found yourself a good church. Send your emails to idea at wretched.org. Question, a good question from uh, Lily. Uh, she says it's really hard. As Jimmy. Yes. Jimmy. Yes. How long have you been doing professional radio? Um, 20 years. Did you fail to push your button right there? I did. I pushed the I, wrong button. I will actually. not bring that up. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and you know what, what we've got going on here? What's that? A huge pot talking to the kettle. Yeah. I have. How often do I, do I ever push the right button here? Well, I've got a list going. So uh, what joy <laughs> I'm taking in your one little teeny tiny eek. Yeah, thank you. And I do it constantly. <laughs> what a wicked heart I have. Why can't I hear my computer? You loser. <laughs> Sorry. So Lily has a good question. <laughs> and it's kind of pertinent to the to the uh to the con uh, the conversation. It's really hard as a Christian to be completely open and honest all the time. So do you think it's necessary to repent and confess every lie, even the small ones? Mm, it depends on if it's hurt somebody. It depends on the practicality of it. You, you're not going to be able to go back and undo everything that you've done. And furthermore, you don't need to. There are just a lot of things that we have done that while they were certainly sinful and an affront to God, if we've made a mess of it, if it was something that was damaging to somebody and we want to do it right, which is a desire of the repentant heart, 2 Corinthians 7, you'll just read the details there. There's like five hallmarks of genuine repentance. And one of them is, look, I want to I want to clean up the mess. So if you've made a mess and it is reason, if you go to go back and find Lucy from third grade, and you told her you didn't take her bologna sandwich, but you really did. Not sure that you need to go figure that one out, find Lucy, and send her a bologna sandwich to make up for it. But if it is something that is practical, reasonable, and it was genuinely harmful, then go back and fix it and clean it up. And if, I might add, if you don't have a desire to ever do that, um, then you are not exercising genuine repentance. So, so here I go. Hey, Jimmy. I'm, I'm really, I'm really sorry. I pointed out that you biffed it with the button. Sorry. This is Wretched Radio. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them. 
them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Hey, hey, thank you for tuning in to Wretched Radio today. We certainly appreciate your time. Did you know there is actually something in existence that gives you information on things happening at Wretched? Things like upcoming product launches or details on upcoming seasons of our productions of Wretched Radio, Wretched TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread. Also, information on job openings here at Wretched. Information on upcoming sales in the Wretched store. What I'm referring to is the monthly Wretched newsletter. If you're not already receiving the Wretched newsletter, you're missing out on all of these things and more. The Wretched newsletter also contains thorough and in-depth messages on a wide range of theological topics, and that's not all. As a Wretched newsletter subscriber, you're also eligible for resources that we give away daily here at Wretched. So sign up and don't miss out on any of this stuff by becoming a Wretched newsletter subscriber by visiting our website at wretched.org, scroll to the bottom of the page, and fill out the form. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Thanks to our partners, we were able to create channels of food supplies from neighboring countries of Moldova and Romania. Over 45 tons of non-perishable food supplies were brought in and delivered to thousands of people for small towns and cities that suffered from the war. That is our dear brother Max from the Tomorrow Clubs in Ukraine continuing to preach the gospel, opening up kids clubs where they can and, because of the war, providing resources, providing food and shelter and prayer and, of course, the gospel to people who are in need. If you have never considered supporting Tomorrow Clubs, this might be the right time. You are needed in Ukraine. Tomorrow Clubs will do the work. They will take care of the distribution. They just need the resources. Would you please consider providing them? TomorrowClubs.org slash wretched. Important dates in Christian history. 1095. Pope Urban II launches the first crusade to reclaim Jerusalem from Muslim control. The crowd wildly shouts, God wills it. There would be several crusades over the next centuries, with many tragic results and consequences lasting for centuries. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Why do I have a funny feeling my microphone is going to get cut off? This is Wretched Radio. You're going to get me back? No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't hold grudges. Okay, now I feel like the jerk, which is exactly <laughs> what I am. So please send your email to a jerk at idea at wretched.org, idea at wretched.org with questions, comments, conundrums, or snarks. Todd, uh, Brandon wants to know, as a Christian young man who's turning 18 soon and going off to college, how should he think about parental authority? Uh, thank you for even thinking about it. Honestly, thank you that you're even asking the question. I'll bet most youth these days don't, and I know why. The world is screaming at them. Are you kidding? You're you're two. You're autonomous. You can choose to do whatever you want to do. You don't need to listen to them. Cast them off as fast as you can. Thank you for asking. And the answer is found in a keyword honor. You are not commanded to love your parents. You're not. 
You don't even need to have fond affection for them, but you do need to honor them. How do you do that? You do it beyond just not being cruel, not by ignoring them. No, you desire to honor them. We talked about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago, and I think there were six or ten. No, we came. I think Chally's came up with six. I came up with another six ways that you can honor your adult parents. You can go to wretched.org, and if you look up Honor Parents, you'll probably find that in our archives. We've got all the shows back there, and you can use the search engine for that. You don't need to do everything they tell you to do as an adult. You don't need to. But you're foolish if you don't seek and take their wisdom. And you should honor them in that. Doesn't mean you have to go, yes, sir, no, I'll do everything you say, even though I totally disagree with it. And it doesn't make sense for me or for my family. But you honor them along the way. And you can even go a many steps further than that. You can speak well of them, not just not diss them with your friends. Don't make jokes and don't make comments about them that are ha ha. And it becomes kind of, you know, everybody knows about your parents and how kooky they are. Mm-mm. Speak well of them. How's about finding out what their needs are? How's about going over just because? How's about when you do go over, you don't treat them as they are your servants? Instead, you honor them. And so, young man, as you go about the business of flying away from the nest, keep looking back to see how your parents are doing back there. And honor them as you become increasingly an individual who is autonomous, certainly, but is wise if he continues to honor his parents. I got to tell you, Jimmy, that was like, a, that's a breath of fresh air is what that is. Yeah. I'm telling you, this is a plague in the church. It's a plague in the society. But that we have let this one go unchecked in the church is not good. Now, I, there might be some movements that are really into this and they become heavy handed, patriarchal and, and really oppressive. Don't want to do that either. But wow, how we have let the world take our kids and, and inform them that they do not need to honor parents. Woo, we need it takes a church to instill in the kids, honor your parents. And the benefit is, young man, someday when you're an old man, your kids will be honoring you. That is the way that it is supposed to work. Send your emails to idea at wretched.org. All right. So let's go to the flip side of that now, Todd. Uh, from Fred, he says he has a situation where one of his five children is living in, in serious rebellion. At 16 years old, she ran away from home, mm. came back, and agreed to a few certain standards that she's now breaking. Mm. So when is it appropriate uh, for uh, the parents to remove a child from the home. Yeah, it, uh, it's, not an, it's not an easy decision, obviously, for a lot of reasons. And that's why I'd encourage you to do it with wisdom from your elders. You really, you, you'll, you'll need godly wisdom in this. Do you have permission to ever set a, a child out? The answer is biblically, yes, you do. There are degrees of being foolish, and the Proverbs lay it out. There, There's the... Oh, is it the Casile fool that that is just the Nabal? When you get to Nabal fool, the the proverb says this this is the child who not only will not take wisdom but is destructive and is harmful to the family, potentially to the community, because they understood the destructive nature of persistently naughty children. The remedy for that was they got to go. 
They're, they're making such a hash. They're making such a mess of things that you need to set them outside. Now, at what age? When do you do that? It must require outside voices speaking into your situation. So my response is, please note, you're not wrong for thinking that. You, you are not out of line biblically for deciding that, but you should do it with the wisdom of other people because your emotions are in flux right now. You're, you're, you're torn and you're shredded and you probably whiplash from feeling terrible. It's your beloved child who's just making a mess of everything and it's wrecking it for the other kids and it's undermining your authority in those realms and you can see how it's having an, infect, uh, an influence and infecting was probably the better choice of words on the 12-year-old. You are wise to think about this. Just do it with your elders and send emails to idea at wretched.org. So what do you think, if Susan wants to know, is it sin to have a painting of Jesus in your home? Depends on how you deal with the second commandment and what you consider to be a graven image. It just it depends on that. Uh, you, you, you need to decide that. And then consider your conscience. Does it trouble you? And I would also, I would, I'd also encourage you to do this. Ask why. Why is it that you want what you believe to be a physical representation of the Savior? Now, I, I, I get it. The argument, actually, for having paintings of Jesus without it violating the second commandment would be, well, Jesus was the visible image of the invisible God. That's true, but he wasn't a painting. He actually is God in flesh. So it wasn't any sort of representation. It actually was God walking on the earth. So you think that you have permission to do that. Ask, why do you need to see that? And please note this. It's really, it can be really dangerous if your heart is like, well, it's just, it's such a good reminder. And this particular picture really speaks to me. That's not the way that we're supposed to be encouraged. It should be a thought process, not a visual sensory experience. We shouldn't see a picture of Jesus carrying a little lamb, carrying the guy in the ocean and there's no footprints or whatever that deal is. You, you could be giving your affection very easily to that image, or you could create very quickly a distorted image of Jesus Christ. So in my opinion, if you ask yourself why you want that picture, you'll probably conclude maybe it's best I don't have that picture. Yeah. I personally, I would not, depends on the picture, of course. Uh, I, I don't think that I would I would call somebody a sinner for having that picture. But I do believe that when we really analyze what it is about that picture that we like, why does that picture stir me more than the knowledge of Jesus Christ being a good shepherd? Why isn't it enough for me to think about Jesus Christ letting the little children sit on his lap? That should be enough for us. And maybe by examining the motive of it, it might reveal, you know, in a way I kind of am using it in an idolatrous kind of way send your emails to idea at wretched.org so who do you have a picture of over your mantle elvis <laughs> okay so uh from ethan he wants to know how should he balance family and church life if your family is getting annoyed you're out of balance there you go <laughs> if, it, if it's driving your family nuts now of course it could be that your family you go there once for five minutes and they get annoyed with you obviously but if you if you're in a, you're in a godly home overall and your wife starts saying oh honey you're going to church again listen 
And if your kids are like, oh, it's okay, dad, whatever. Just, yeah, we know you're going to church. Or they actually stop caring that you're going because they just know that you're not going to throw the football with them. You're out of balance. Remember, your first ministry is not church. Your first ministry is your family. Church comes after family. And by the way, there is a hierarchy inside of the family too. Spouse first, children second. And I promise you, you will discover you are going to be shocked at how poorly you did at that. <laughs> I was a couple of year, a year or so ago, went to a presentation by Dr. John Street, Masters University, just great brother. And he was talking about the stages and phases of marriage. And he finally explained why it is that so many people who have been married 25, 30, 35 years, they get divorced. And you think, well, don't you have this thing figured out? And his thinking on it was that they had become a kid-centered home. And when the kids leave, all of a sudden it's like, well, now what do we do? Who are you? We've got a lot of time together and I don't like what I see. I don't like who you are. We've grown apart. Why? Because the kids were the wedge. And I remember thinking that is actually, I think, a pretty good explanation for many of the reasons why we see that. But then I had to be a little bit introspective. How much of a kid-centered home were we, even as through the years we talked about not being a kid-centered home? And guess what I discovered when the kids left? We were. Not as much as some, probably more than others. No matter what, children can be the center of the home. It will happen in virtually any home. This is not to suddenly become cold toward your kids, to have them be seen and not heard, to make sure that you're just focusing on your spouse. No, it is to just encourage you to be aware of it. Because God has indeed given a hierarchy of needs, not in a Maslow kind of way, in the home. Spouse first, children second. And if you're not tugging in that direction, you're probably leaning the wrong way. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Typically, positive actions tend to spread, and that's something the European Parliament fears may very well happen. And that's why this week they passed a resolution that condemned the U.S. Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade and added the statement, quote, everyone has the right to safe and legal abortion to the Charter of the Fundamental Rights of the European Union. So basically, they've taken steps to codify abortion in fear that maybe the pro-life trend in America will move its way into Europe. And speaking of abortion in the U.S., the White House has announced the president's signing of a new executive order they say, quote, protects access to reproductive health services. Essentially, the executive order will greenlight the Department of Health and Human Services to expand access to abortion medications while also ordering the attorney general to convene private pro bono attorneys, bar associations, and public interest groups to provide legal counsel to women seeking abortions and doctors providing the services. So the Supreme Court makes a ruling that liberals don't like, and the White House does what they can to undermine it. Now, one thing we can always count on seeing quite often here at Wretched, new research and polls. And we have plenty of it today, starting with new Pew research that shows a record high percentage of Americans believe people cannot change genders. 60% is the actual figure, and interestingly, that 60% figure consists of people across all religious backgrounds, including those with none. So it's not just Christians who think this gender-changing thing is foolish. But we go from a record high to a record low. 
According to a new Gallup survey, 20% of Americans believe the Bible is the actual Word of God. Most Americans in this survey responded with the belief that the Bible is a collection of fables recorded by men. And I don't know this for sure, but I would venture to say that that statement about the Bible would hold up in a large number of churches in this country. What we're seeing with this record low percentage of Americans believing the Bible is the actual word of God, that's the fruit, the rotten fruit of the seeker-sensitive movement. And finally, research from the Institute for Family Studies has found the lowest divorce rates are among religious adults who married in their 20s and did not cohabitate prior to marriage. The research showed that cohabitation is harmful to a marriage. Couples who cohabitated were 15% more likely to divorce than those who did not. And that's because cohabitation, it may not sound like a big deal to most people, especially in this day and age, but it takes away, it removes the reverence and the honor for what the marriage vow is. And what it does is it puts the consideration for divorce as always an option, as always on the table, and it discounts the value one puts on their spouse. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible When Habakkuk saw violence and injustice in Judah, he complained to God. God promised to use the Chaldeans to punish Judah. But Habakkuk complained that they were even worse than Judah. God said that he would punish the Chaldeans after using them to purify Judah. God uses all things for his glory and the good of his people, even evil things. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And now, my impression of me. <coughs> this sunburn is killing me! <coughs> This is Wretched Radio. I don't want to complain or anything. I'm just telling you. Are you still talking about that? <laughs> talking about it. Here, this, this is how I amuse small children that walk by. Hey, kid, look at this. And I put my I put my pointer finger in the middle of my forehead, and white appears when I remove it. <laughs> oh, they stare like I did a magic trick. But I'm not complaining or anything. Far be it from me. <laughs> Please send your emails to idea at wretched.org. Idea at wretched.org. Jimmy? Yes. I, 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 I didn't get to finish my sermon. You didn't, yeah, you didn't. How, how you enjoy heaven on earth right now, that the, the, the things that you enjoy now, they're signposts. So just when you enjoy something here, go, oh, and I'm going to get that and so much more in heaven. They're just, they, they should just serve as longing signs. Oh, killer meal. It's going to be better in heaven. Oh, we had such fun together. Such great laughter. It's going to be even more joyous in heaven. Oh, the, the way that I felt from watching that movie. Oh, how it just, it just, it just brought back so many great memories. Oh, the great memories that you're going to have in heaven. All of the things that we experience that are good on earth serve as signposts for heaven. So let them do that for you. Let them stir you to long for heaven, that that it, it provides you with that ongoing sense of can't wait for the future. And isn't that a great feeling? And I'll bet, I would almost be willing to bet, as you have gotten older, you, you've lost that longing feeling, haven't you? Because you've pretty much done stuff along the way. So perhaps this will renew your enthusiasm for life and your gratitude for living that it, that that whatever meal that you enjoy and you go yeah it's pretty good but i've had this before yeah i i love zaxby's but 
you know, there's only so many times I can eat Zaxby's and take it. Instead, eat those meals and go, you know what, if I'm burned out on food right now, and I've, and I've actually observed that older folks do get burned out on food. They just don't have a taste for it anymore. And it's not because their taste buds have disappeared. It's just not exciting to them anymore. It's going to be in heaven. It is going to be in heaven. So whatever it is that you wish that you still felt as a youth, let that be renewed knowing that that good feeling is going to be taking place for you in heaven because it is going to be that amazing. And that means you can enjoy heaven on earth. Amen. My sermon is done. Send your emails to idea at wretched.org. I cannot believe you said that about Zaxby's. Well, it's true. You can only eat it so much. You can only eat anything so much. I just don't believe you said that. Okay, right now, believe me, I could eat Zaxby's. (laughs) But if 20 minutes later you said you want Zaxby's, I'd be like, no. Even six hours later, I'd be like, nah, you know what? I had it for lunch. That's enough Zaxby's for the day. And increasingly, I see that happening to people. Food is not interesting. Don't let that happen. Let it be your signpost to you. When you have a good meal, let it be a signpost. When you have a meal, let it be a signpost. When it's a crummy meal, let it be a signpost. Always a great meal in heaven. Always great joy in heaven. Always. And you say, well, won't I get tired of it then? And the answer is no. Why? The nature of God. You can never get to the bottom of it. So whatever thrilling thought that God provides for you that gives you an emotional high, the more you learn about him, the higher you're going to get. You can't plumb the depths of the wonders of God for eternity. It's infinite. And so just when you think, mind blown, can't learn anymore, hold the phone. Wow! That's heaven. And it'll be amazing. Long for it. It's going to happen. If you'll send your emails to idea at wretched.org. That's right. I just made your eternity contingent on sending emails to <laughs> idea at wretched.org. Well, I'm glad JJ did. JJ uh, says, uh, or he asks, is there a difference between confidence and boastfulness? Can someone be confident yet humble? Yeah. It ain't easy. Mm, it, it, it's, 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 one is skills, recognizing skills as blessings from God. Not not you. That that's that's where confidence. I think the line can be drawn most clearly for you, because it seems kind of hard and, and vague, doesn't it? Well, I've got these skills, so you know, if I say I've got these skills, it seems like I'm bragging. Not when you realize the only thing good about you was given to you by God. Period. And then you can be confident in Him, not yourself in. Him, and this, by the way, is another demonstration of how our thinking will be so righted in heaven. You're going to have, I believe, different skills than other people in heaven. I know that hits a lot of people kind of strangely. Why do I think we're going to be perfect? Well, perfect doesn't mean that we all have absolute full throttle attributes in every regard. Um, That's only God who has that. So clearly, we're going to have less than him. And I think different people will have different skill sets and different abilities. Why? Because I think we are confused about what heaven is going to be like. What do you think we're going to do all day? It is a new earth. Now, God is living with his people the way that he did in the garden. But do you remember Adam and Eve in the garden? Even in paradise, they had work to do. You and I are going to do stuff. Will there be athletics in heaven? Why wouldn't there be? Why would there be less to enjoy in heaven than there is on earth? 
music, arts, food, drama, you name it. We're going to be doing it. Building. Architecture needs to be designed. Hard work. Somebody needs to do those backbreaking things. We're going to be doing this stuff. The difference is I'm going to be thinking about it rightly. When I finish a job in heaven, I'm given an assignment and I just nail it. I get I, I just it just kills it. Instead of getting puffed up, I'm going to go, Jesus sure is amazing. Look at what he has allowed me to do. I have the privilege of doing that for him. It's just our thinking is going to be so radically adjusted, removed from self-adulation so often to adoring the one who allows me to do it. Please send your emails to idea at wretched.org. All right. This one comes from Lucas, and he says, uh, hey, Todd, can Christians have doomsday prepper-like tendencies, like stocking up on emergency food, buying bulk ammo, etc.? <laughs> it's a cottage industry for Jim Baker. Are you kidding? Yeah, we, we we certainly do. I don't know if we're more prone to it than others, but it kind of seems that way. And if you want to prepare for something, that's your call. Uh, it really, it is. It's it's your call. And 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 I get that. You it may happen. We may need those things. We may not. We'll see. Maybe you prepared for Y two K. Maybe you prepared for. Barack Obama, I, I know some Christians, they bought land with when Barack Obama was elected. Well, things kept running. We're, we're still safe you know, for now. So, so those people were a little premature. Now, might it turn out that that was wise? Sure, it could have. And so I think there's liberty in that. I would simply point you to your heart. Be wise, Christian. We're wise as servants. We're not going to be dumb people. We're not stick our hand in the sand people. It's not like, you know, when they come... Marching down streets should that day come, whether we're not aware of it. Well, kids, I know you hear boots clacking outside our door, but we're Christians. I'm not not suggesting that we're naive and we're dumb and we don't think about it. Just make sure your heart is right in it, that you're trusting Jesus as you do it, and that you're just being wise and not being fearful. That, I think, is the difference between preparing wisely, and we're going to have differences of opinion of what that looks like, and being scared. Let's not be scared, people. If persecution comes, I get it. It's scary. But we're, we're not, we're not going to be cowards. We're, we're, we're not going to be naive either. Just be wise and watch your motivations. And send your emails to idea at wretched.org. Yeah, I don't know if you can answer this one quickly, but I'll try and get it in. Um, this one, I guess this is, no, this is from Peter. He says he's curious to know where you stand on friendship evangelism versus overt street preaching. Yeah, both. Okay, you didn't think I could do it. <laughs> that was quick. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the push for friendship evangelism was extreme. Uh, so often it was, you don't have to speak the gospel. Remember, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Just befriend people, and apparently by osmosis, they're going to get saved. Well, that's wrong. On the other hand, if we just totally reject that there's any wisdom in befriending people before witnessing to them, I think that's unwise. And befriend people. Be nice to people. But just be about the business of your master. And don't think of it as, well, how do I sneak this in? Change your mind on this. Stop thinking it's like, okay, if I evangelize, boy, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna be. I need a brown paper bag. I'm losing it here. 
you get to share that Jesus died for them while they were yet sinning. If that is your mindset, it'll help you overcome a lot of fears and a lot of concerns. Might you lose a friendship over it? Yep. Which, by the way, is the downside to friendship evangelism. You get so close to somebody and then, whoop, you sabotage them with the gospel and then you lose a friend. And that can hurt. Find the balance. It's not either or. It is both and. And as you go about doing, whether it's on the street or whether it's with a next door neighbor or your bosom buddy, don't see it as, oh, here we go. Nope. It is a privilege to share the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio. So there you are on your Googler machine trying to find a restaurant. What do you look for? Ratings and reviews. If it gets lots of stars, positive reviews, chances are pretty good you're going to go there. Question, would you be inclined to go to a restaurant that had a 98% approval rating and rave reviews? I suspect you would. MetaShare, affordable, biblical, health, sharing, has a 98% approval rating. 400,000 members strong, sharing one another's health care bills, saving billions of dollars over the years, saving families on average $500 a month. And 98% of the members of MediShare give it a hearty thumbs up. I encourage you to call them and see if MediShare is right for you and your family. 1-844-34-BIBLE. 1-844-34-BIBLE for MediShare. Have you ever wanted to break bread with Todd? If so, you probably shouldn't. The guy chews with his mouth open. But let me tell you about our newest production here at Wretched. It's called Breaking Bread, and Todd sits down with a special guest each quarter to discuss pertinent issues Christians are facing. Guests like Phil Johnson, Daryl Harrison, Steve Lawson, Justin Peters, Ray Comfort, Tim Challies, and others. Those guys were selfless, and they sacrificed themselves for you. They sat down and broke bread with Todd so you don't have to. You'll be able to view a brand new Breaking Bread each quarter totally free on the Wretched YouTube channel. Hear topics like racism, aging and dying well, shepherding a child's heart, the fear of evangelism, how not to be a discernment jerk, and more were all discussed on Breaking Bread, which is another production made possible by our gospel partners. To learn more about becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner, just visit wretched.org slash donate. And to learn more about Breaking Bread, visit wretched.org slash breaking bread. The war for life is not over. The war for life has just begun. Dan Steiner from preborn.org slash wretched. Our partner clinic in um, Buffalo, New York, is firebombed. A clinic in Longmont, Colorado also was burned. And so this is the essence of who we are as Christians. We war not against flesh and blood. The implication is that we are, in fact, at war, and we are. The war for life rages on state by state, city by city, block by block, woman by woman. Would you please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched, providing free ultrasounds, providing counseling, providing parental training, providing Similac, providing clothes, providing diapers, and offering them the good news of the gospel. We are at war for life. Please consider supporting preborn.org slash wretched. Mexican. Faith is not a force we harness or a feeling we get. True biblical faith consists of three things 
knowledge of the truth, agreement with the truth, and a trust in the true God. There is no power in faith itself. The power is in the one we put our faith in. Are you trusting in Christ or in something that cannot deliver? This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Whoa, Jimmy, this is Wretched Radio. Before you dip back into the mailbag, what was that, by the way? What sound did I just make? Wilbur, I think I was Mr. Ed for just a second there. Before you jump back into questions, comments, conundrums, or snarks, I've got a news story, Mr. News Guy. Okay. Now, this is very exciting. Hey, you got to just celebrate the good stuff when it actually happens. Planned Parenthood, the president, condemns Planned Parenthood's ties to Margaret Sanger, the racist eugenicist. You know, they celebrated people by giving an award named after Margaret Sanger. Hillary got one. And she was, woo, racist, woo. And a eugenicist. And finally, Planned Parenthood is going, uh, no, we just can't deny this anymore. But we're not going to totally distance ourselves. We're going to remember her. We're just not going to, you know, like celebrate her for the sake of political expediency. And in an act of total contrition, what they've decided to do, Jimmy, is take 80% of their Planned Parenthood clinics out of minority neighborhoods. Really? No, no, they're they're not doing that. So whilst it appears they're denouncing Margaret Sanger as a racist, they are nevertheless taking the lives of children in minority destinations. They're 80% of their clinics are located in inner city areas that are within walking distance of folks who are typically... Black is their number one demographic. And whilst they denounced Margaret Sanger's racism, I got to tell you, Planned Parenthood, the whole thing just smells of it. Please send your emails to idea at wretched.org. Is that what you would call virtue signaling? Uh, <laughs> maybe there should be a picture of Planned Parenthood next to that definition. Yep. Oh, by the way, Jimmy, got one more. Okay. Yeah, I got one more. All right. You know, the, you know the situation with James Coates yep. up in Edmonton uh-huh. at Grace Life Church? I believe they're called it's Grace Life Church in Edmonton. The guy who got put in jail because they continue to do services and they put a fence around so they have to meet elsewhere. Well, his case is going to trial. Now, remember the deal that he went to jail because he refused to stop doing church. Because he did not believe and his elders did not believe that COVID was the thing that the government was saying that it is. They did not feel that they were being unloving to their neighbor by assembling. And it turns out, my last understanding of this is, nobody from their church has gotten or spread COVID. So they disagreed with the government's assessment. It was their local church's decision to open up. That's their decision. Your church's decision might be different. And we all get along on this COVID business deal. And they now are having to go to trial. That's the backdrop. Headline. Court grants Alberta's request, so the government requested, not to show evidence for the dangers of COVID regarding their health order at the Pastor James Coates trial. (laughs) Wow! That's kind of the whole shebang right there. Hey, 
What's the deal? The Alberta government supposedly has enough medical and scientific evidence to shut down hundreds of small businesses, pushing many of them into bankruptcy and canceling over 20,000 medically necessary surgeries and to force Albertians into a third lockdown. But when asked to produce the medical and scientific evidence at trial, the Alberta government declares itself incapable of doing so. Bring it, Alberta. Bring it. Because churches want to be loving our neighbors. We want that. But in order to make that decision, we kind of need truth. Please send your emails to idea at wretched.org. Okay, so Michael heard uh, the discussion last week about evangelizing your parents. And in his situation, he says he did that, but he didn't do it with any patience whatsoever. <laughs> and it pretty much ruined his relationship with his parents. And he was wondering what could he do now in this situation? Dude, I got a silver bullet for you. I really do. It could change it on a dime. I've seen it countless times in my own life and in the lives of others. Let's use biblical terms. You you rightly stated it, it didn't go well. Oh, Jimmy, what did he say? That it didn't go very well and he kind of annoyed his parents? Was that the description? Uh, pretty much, yeah. He didn't, use, he didn't have any patience at all. Uh, okay, so you didn't have any patience. No, you sinned. That's what that being impatient with somebody is sinful behavior. That's good news, even though it swallows a little bit hard. Why? Because you can repent of your sins. You can 2 Corinthians 7 with your parents. Make it right by repenting. Call them up. Take them out and say, Mom and Dad, it ended sour. I, I want to fix this. Let me take you to dinner. I need to apologize for the way that I went about the business of trying to share my faith trying to disagree with you and and to suggest that you're not saying, I just did that so bad and I am so sorry. And you watch the relationship heal. Watch it. Now, here's a possibility that has to be noted. They respond and go, yeah, sure, right? Uh-huh. Don't get sour. You did the right thing. Let it do its healing work. I have seen this work over and over again with... Re- Hasn't it worked in your life? Seriously, hasn't this worked in your life? When you were at odds with somebody and then one of you made the move and said, I'm so sorry. What happens? Just instantly, it just melts away, doesn't it? That's because there's power in repenting toward one another. It works. Do it. Now, here is the only string attached. Don't do that because it's a silver bullet to help restore your relationship. Do it because that's the right thing to do. And if I could do one shout out to every single person of the tens and tens of people listening to this here wretched radio program, if there are people in your life with whom you're estranged, repent, repent, and you watch. You you might just be shocked that they repent back. Take the lead. Be the one that is able to be humble enough to go, I'm sorry, I was... uh, Jimmy, is it really dry in here? Because it just still sticks in my throat, even when I'm not having to say it myself. Please send your emails to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from Nathan. He also was listening last week about uh, sowing good and bad seeds, and he wants to know how he can unsow the bad ones. (laughs) Repent. (laughs) And clean up the mess. If, if, if it's lingering, you can't go back and fix every sin that you've committed with the person that perhaps you troubled with your sin. But if you can, you should. 
That's genuine repentance. And so if you are sowing seeds to the flesh, one of the best things that you can do to clean up the mess, and by the way, this is, this is still the sowing and reaping principle in a way. Because if you recognize, you know what, I was reaping to the flesh, I was making sinful decisions that were self-motivated, self-loving, pride-filled, and idolatrous, and those, those, those seeds were planted, they're, they're going to sprout, and they're, they're going to have an effect, and they're going to pop up. So how do you cut down the weeds? You repent, because that's sowing to the Spirit. You're doing what God calls us to do based on the knowledge of what he's done for us. And you sow to the spirit by repenting, fixing the problem. And guess what you're going to do? You're going to cut down the weeds from the sowing to the flesh that you have done. That's the way the universe operates. Sowing and reaping, not a karma-like program that is unguided. God's sovereign hand all over it with With you behave like this, you typically get that. You behave another way, you're going to get something different. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap the whirlwind. Sow to the spirit, blessing. Simple as that. Send your emails to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from Noah who wants to know, is it selfish to have kids in our world that's totally depraved and sinful? Yeah, I feel that. I get it. Uh, I, 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 I... Everybody's got to make their own decision on when they're going to have kids. But I would caution all of us to not weigh culture and the collapse of our society as as a, a real heavy weight on your scale. Children are a blessing. And if you get to have a baby and raise them up and teach them about Jesus, even in a world that's increasingly hard, um, that's that's a blessing for them. It's a blessing for you. It glorifies God. I don't believe that every single couple needs to have as many kids as they can, but we need to remember that kids are such a blessing and that we are about the business of propagating the faith, even through childbearing. And that is a blessing. It is a way to grow the kingdom by raising up kids to love Jesus Christ. Now, having said that, If you make the decision not to for whatever reason, that's your call and you shouldn't be shamed for it. Just be careful about the motivations and consider church history. We're living in an era right now where it's like, it's getting a little dicey and it's probably going to get dicier, but it's nowhere near what our brothers and sisters endured in the first, second, third centuries. Wait a second, the Middle Ages. Hold on a second. All throughout Reformation history. Consider all of the Christians that were being persecuted way more severely, and yet they had babies. Why? For all of the aforementioned reasons. So be careful as you weigh this. I understand I'm not leaving the country the same way that I found it. It's not going to be good. It's going to be hard. Yep. And God needs little torches, little light bearers. God needs salty citizens, and we can provide them by having the blessing of children. Bottom line, your call. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. 